I'm Tyler. I'm Monday. What's his name? Rabbit 2. Yeah, that's the worst name I've ever heard. Why do you want to go to this moon rock so bad? It can heal you if you're sick. It'll make my dad happy. My daughter was kidnapped. We're doing everything we can. Where is she? Oh. Where is she? Two little girl with the big eyes. We're looking to get to Kieran Petty. Jump in, I'm Elvis. Real one? No. Ready? Kangaroo. Kangaroo? Are you a real life astronaut? How'd you know? We're going to the moon rock. I can do you one better. I can take you to the moon. He's gonna leave me. Then he's gonna replace me like everyone else. I'm not gonna leave you. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by Kurt Martin, writer and director of the beautiful new Australian drama Moon Rock for Monday. I'm very happy to be discussing Moon Rock for Monday again following an earlier Cinema Australia podcast episode with the extraordinary acting duo George Puller and Ashlyn Loudon Gamble, who are both incredible in this film. This is one of my favourite films of this year and I've had the honour of seeing it twice and interviewing cast and crew both on this podcast and during live cinema Q&As. Kurt Martin is a Sydney-based director. This is his first feature film following a string of short films, TV commercials and music videos. Kurt has worked on several feature films as an assistant director including Teenage Kicks and Out of the Shadows as well as Cinema Australia favourite The School. He has done an admirable job with Moonrock for Monday and you should all go and see it. This episode was recorded prior to the film's screening at Cinefestals back in August, so there's a brief moment here where we do discuss that particular festival. Moonrock for Monday is having possibly its last screening of the year on Friday the 20th of November in Sydney and an official cinema release date is yet to be announced. Keep an eye on cinemaaustralia.com.au for details about both the upcoming Sydney screening as well as future screenings. Anyway, enjoy. Kurt Martin, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, considering this is your first feature film, you've managed to pull off a very special piece here. Um, it's packed to the brim with whimsical characters, and and the film plays like a child. It plays with a childlike innocence that reminded me of a very clever and very creative children's book. Um, uh, and I read kids' books to my uh, children almost every night, so um, I'm a bit of an authority uh, there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was an absolute joy to watch Moonrock for Monday, so congratulations to yourself and and the entire team. Thank you so much for that. really appreciate it. Um, So the film's about to have its screening at uh, Cinefest Oz. How do you feel about that? Um, Nervous, nervous. Uh, I think it's the first screening that we... um that we have. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get some feedback. Um, while we were setting up this interview, you mentioned to me that you were quite nervous about being interviewed about the film. And it got me wondering what kind of headspace you're in at the moment, considering the film is about to have its world premiere uh, in a few weeks at Cinefest Oz. Yeah, it's it's kind of tricky, you know, because you, you make films, you want them to go to the cinema. Um, but with, with COVID, it's kind of changed the whole aspect of, of filmmaking um so it, it's kind of um 
a tricky time for us. So I, I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited and nervous to see what people think. Um, considering this is your first feature film, do you feel like you're a bit of a fish out of water or do you feel like you're exactly where you want to be or, or, or where you should be? Um, I Look, I, I, being on set, I feel very, very comfortable. I, I love... You know, I love I love making films. It's all the interviews and stuff like that that kind of make me a bit nervous. Um, yeah. Um, so you have a – let's get to know you a little bit more. You've got an accounting degree and uh, and you studied law. Uh, why the shift to making movies? Um, look, I, I've always been attracted to, to making films. When I was a lot younger, you know, I studied filmmaking and um, then I kind of went travelling for, for a whole bunch of years and I came back and – you know, I, I don't know why I just kind of panicked and jumped into an accounting degree as you do. And, um, um, I, I kind of did pretty well at that, but I kind of wanted to branch out. And so I went to law, but it, I wasn't really fulfilled when I was doing it. And kind of when I was sitting in the legal classes, I um, started writing scripts and my marks went down doing law and I met Jimmy, the, my, my producer, and we kind of just started pushing into making films. So that's um yeah did did you grow up in a household that was supportive of the arts not really no funnily enough not really my my mum was an accountant and my dad was an exporter so um yeah no not not really would you have described yourself as a as a film buff growing up um potentially i um you know i have movies that i absolutely adore but um I'd say, yeah, I, I would stick by the TV and watch a lot of films. Tell us about some of those films that you that you enjoyed. Um, my favourite films, I guess um, City of God has got to be one of my favourites. Um, it, it really influenced me in making Moonrock for Monday. Mm-hmm. Same with um, Samson Delilah by Warwick Thornton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I just think they're amazing. They have this gritty feel to it, which when I first started writing Moonrock, I really wanted to incorporate, but – as the film kind of grew bigger and bigger, it kind of went into a more mainstream kind of Alice in Wonderland kind of journey. Um, and we kind of lost that grittiness. Maybe there's still grittiness in there, but, you know, it went into a, a more um, vivid kind of journey. So following on uh, um, from your law studies and, um, and stuff like that, uh, what filmmaking studies did you pursue once you uh, got the urge to be a filmmaker? Um, so what did I do? I, I, I studied at TAFE um, in St. Leonard's when I was a lot younger. Um, but when I was older, I started studying at Sydney Film School, um, which is which is really cool. But um, you know, I, I never really got to direct when I was when I was there. I was just producing other people's films, and I kind of you know really wanted to be a director, be a writer, and so um, I kind of um left that and jumped into my first short film and um, just kind of took off from there. Would you recommend, uh, you know, a more physical education for young filmmakers rather than, uh, you know, studying at somewhere like Sydney Film School? Um, I don't really want to say anything bad about them. <laughs> uh, um, like for, for me, um, it was about making connections and meeting people um, that I could actually make films with, you know, um, and I found that more – I was working in a bar at the time and I was managing that bar and I'd kind of make all my bartenders or all the staff kind of act in my little short films. So I got a lot of benefit out of doing that. And kind of anything you want to learn, you can learn online. Mm. Um, on YouTube, there's heaps of tutorials, you know, um, to kind of 
teach you everything you need to know, you know. Um, and, and you worked as second unit director and assistant director on uh, acclaimed Australian films like Teenage Kicks and, and of course, The School. Um, how would you, you describe your experience there with those films? Oh, look, that, that was um, – assistant directing is a lot different to um, directing. Mm. Um, you know, it's a different kind of stress. Um, but it was great to kind of watch other directors and, and, and learn from them how they direct. Um, and I guess it kind of helped me incorporate for my feature film the, the, the time restraints you have on something with low budgets. So I was always very aware of the time. and, and um, But, um, yeah, it, it was a great experience meeting people on set. I, I love it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very important to have these connections, isn't it, and to meet as many people as you can, especially in the Australian film industry, um, which seems you know small compared to uh, other industries around the world in other countries. A hundred percent. So before we get into talking about Moonrock for Monday, I think it's worth asking you about working with Jim Robin, uh, Robson, who you uh, mentioned just there. Um, he's produced this film, but you've had a long working relationship with Jim. How did you two meet and uh, and why do you enjoy working together so much? Um, <laughs> I might get in trouble for this one. Um, <laughs> I, I worked in a bar and um, he drank in that bar and I... Um, I was studying accounting, I think, at the time, and he was recruit and doing recruitment, and so he was kind of helping me out with um, accounting. But then, um, as we got to know each other, he started doing short films, and I kind of started helping him with those. And I guess it kind of evolved into the relationship it is now. Um, and it's been it's been such a joy for both of us to kind of to evolve from doing the silly stuff we used to do to actually doing a feature film. Um, so yeah, it was, it was it's been a long a long road. I mean, it, it's amazing. I get to make films with my best friend, so I, I can't complain. It's incredible. It's literally two guys met in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so tell us about Moonrock for Monday. Uh, what what's it about in your own words? Yeah, um, I guess it's about Monday. Um, this little girl who um, is born with a, a, a terminal illness, and she's She's homeschooled by a dad. Her dad's very protective of her and kind of doesn't let her out of the house. Um, but he educates her very, very well. and He's very loving towards her and, and very caring. But she just has only seen this little, you know, glimpse of the bigger world. And she just, you know, wants to get out and explore and and just see the world before she kind of passes. And um, so she kind of accidentally runs away from home. Um, and she meets this boy, Tyler, who's a little bit older than her and he's on the run from the police and together they kind of embark on a journey across Australia. She wants to get to Uluru, doesn't she? Um, yeah, yes, that's, that's correct. She wants to get to Uluru. Why, why, why Uluru? What, what was it about that? Um, well, for me, I kind of feel like it's in the middle of Australia and it's the heart of Australia. And I really wanted to tell an Australian story. Um, so, yeah, it was important. It was something, you know, big and momentous. And, and for me, you know, I was, um, I was born with extremely bad eyesight um, when, I was, when I was born. And um, it kind of carried on. And I, you know, my dad would say, you know, if you, if you have a cut in your arm or, you know, on your, on your leg, you'd say jump in the salt water in the ocean. It's really good for you, you know. Like it, it, it cleans the... It cleans the cut and it heals it. And for some reason, 
I just got this idea in my head as a kid that that the, the salt water would help my eyes. And, you know, I'd jump in the water, open my eyes, and, you know, I'd come out with bloodshot eyes. And mum would be like, what the hell are you doing? And, um, you know, so there was that idea in my head of healing um, myself. And for Monday, I think she gets this feeling that, that, that she gets there. It can, it can heal her in some way. Mm. Uh, and and it draws into Australia's spiritual connection with uh, with Uluru and uh, and this area and this space. Uh, what kind of research did you have to do to um, about Uluru? Oh man, we 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 um we did heaps. We um we went out there. Um, Jimmy met with the um Anangu the Anangu people, and they were lovely. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I mean. We went out there a couple of times and, and yeah, but um, well, I, I can't really spoil the ending, can I? So, no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, were, were they open to you guys being out there and and uh, and with the potential of making this film? Oh, man, yeah, they, they, were, they were so lovely. They, they were really into it. They, um, they like, we, we kind of thought, oh, they're going to charge us just so much money. There's no way we're going to be able to afford it. Um, you know, we heard a lot of rumours that, you know, people offer a lot of money just to, film a commercial out there but um apparently they got on board with the film and i was like how much is this going to cost and he said look i think it's 500 dollars a day or something it was something insanely cheap you know um but they they really got behind it at the time you're listening to the cinema australia podcast on apple podcasts soundcloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au um, I think mm. it's worth mentioning that the film is set in 1999. Why did you decide to set it uh, uh, during the 90s? Um, well, I kind of grew up in the 90s, you know, for me. So um, I guess it had a nostalgia for me. Um, also, I felt like, you know, the elements of the police um, kind of chasing them, it just felt more realistic to set it in the 90s rather than right now. But it's kind of funny with... Um, everything that's going on in the news at the moment, kind of the same issues are still relevant now as they were back then, you know. That's right. And and I guess you don't have the whole mobile phone thing and, you know, everyone's got an iPhone, everyone knows where everyone is at, uh, wherever they are, whenever they are. Uh, yes, 100%. That's right. <laughs> um, you've spoken about budgets and uh, being limited by budget uh, in particular. Uh, what were some of the, the things that you would have liked to bring to the film aesthetically with a bigger budget? time you know time um the more money you have the more time you have uh, i think and it's um you know i think we did everything wrong in a way where we you know had animals on set you know we had cows we had rabbits um we had children we had trains we had airplanes you know we had to move the whole company over to kuba pd which was just a logistical nightmare especially for our short our first film um, so look, I think, you know, money really, really would have helped that. And we, you know, everyone, the crew just did amazing on, 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 the job, but, um, you know, 10 more people would have, you know, really made it flow a lot easier. Mm. And I assume soundtrack as well. I mean, you guys have done a great job in, in getting, uh, you know, some, some great nineties music here, but were, were, were you chasing any particular tracks, uh, you know, that, that you really wanted? Oh, definitely, man. Like, uh, you know, Chili Peppers, Brian Jonestown Massacre, um, Silverchair, Powderfinger, you know, I kind of grew up on it. Also, 
you know, we were really adamant that we really wanted that in the film because it just it just adds this nostalgia for um for for, for me. Um, yeah, so I noticed that with the uh, with the uh, music in the film, actually, as in the uh, the composed music, there's a lot of '90s sounding strings in there. Was that intentional? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Prue did a great job. Um, like she brought this worldly music to the to the um, to the picture. You know, I was kind of watching it, and um, you know, you watch watch it without any sound, just the dialogue. You don't really see any of the um, uh, composition that they're composing in it and one once she kind of laid all the tracks in there it was really like magical and it it gave the film a soul i think um and just this this worldly this worldly sound like that that, that monday really needed to incorporate um on a trip across australia mm. um you're going to get asked a lot about working with george and ashlyn and uh the chemistry between these two is beautiful and without it i don't think the film would have worked as well as it does which i'm sure you would agree with um tell us about finding george and ashlyn and what it was like to work with these two incredibly talented uh, young performers oh man they're amazing aren't they um it, it was, it's kind of funny as soon as i saw ashlyn I just knew she was Monday. She just everything she did, it was it was Monday, and I was so lucky to find her. But she's she's just so amazing. Like everything she did, just added to the character, and she'd add her own little bits of dialogue in. Like she became more and more confident as the film came on, and she'd add in her little bits of dialogue that just really you know made it into the last cut of the film. So it was really amazing to watch her kind of grow um but as for george when i first saw george he was this beautiful blonde-haired adonis chiseled guy <laughs> and i looked and i meant like obviously i could see he could act like nothing else but i um i was like he is just not my tyler he is just too good looking and tooth and jimmy was like man this guy is it and you know he, he shaved his head and he lost some some of the the chiselness and he's just so opposite to the character of Tyler. He's, he's educated, he's well-spoken, he's kind, everything opposite to the, to the character of Tyler. So um, it was um, really interesting to watch him kind of transform into that character. And he did it so well that he brought a new life to, to Ashlyn in, in, in the takes, you know, he'd just give us so much and, and they just really bounced off each other and, it's it's my favourite aspect of the film, those two. Oh, yeah. Um, do you have any stories that you could share with us about the two working together on set? There was, ne- was never any fights or anything. They they got along really, really well. Um, any, they, anything with the rabbits or or any of the, uh, the animals? Look, I, the rabbit is this massive, big, big, big rabbit. I was kind of nervous that it was going to... Um, that, that, that Ashlyn would um, struggle carrying it or, or getting along with the rabbit. But she <laughs> it is a big it, rabbit. You know, she... It's amazing, but she loved it by the end. She was holding it and carrying it around. Um, but they, yeah, they just got along like a house on fire, and they um, just their chemistry just really worked out for the film. That's you know, they gave they gave a lot. They did they did a lot of research together and 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 work together. So that's beautiful. Um, the film also boasts this uh, a handful of Australian acting veterans like David Field and Alan Dukes. But I want to ask you about uh, Nicholas Hope because you would have worked with him on the school, I assume. Um, I feel like Nick is experiencing a bit of a career resurgence at the moment. Was he always on your radar as far as uh, actors go who wanted uh, who you wanted to work with? 
Oh man, a hundred percent. Like bad boy Bobby. Like, <laughs> how could you not want to work with him? He's just so amazing. And but, but uh, when I worked with him on the school, he played this professor, and he was so articulate and just the kindest person I've ever met. Ever met. And um, I was like, oh look, I really want him in this film, but I really want him to go the opposite spectrum. I really want him to be over the top, and you know, in the space helmet, the space outfit, and you know, I hope he's going to go for it. And he came on set and it was just, you know, such a pleasure to work with him and, and have someone with that amount of experience, you know, read read some of the lines that, I, that I'd written. So it was a, yeah, it was a, a massive ego boost for me, to be honest. <laughs> so let's go back to uh, David Field and Alan Dukes as well. Uh, can you tell us about working with those two? Oh, man, um, David was great. Um, he, he's obviously directed a lot of stuff before mm. and, you know, I met up with him in a coffee shop a couple of times and... We had a chat and I, I really feel like he kind of like took me under his wing and kind of helped push me make the film better, mm. um, you know. So that that was a great experience working with David. Um, in what way? Sorry, was, in what way was he pushing you to make it better? Um, so when we're kind of talking about shots, he kind of would say, you know, what if we what if we got this or what, why don't we try it like this with, with his performance? And, um, and he, yeah, I guess he kind of, yeah, push me to ch- and she challenged me to um, to change the, the character or to, to make the character evolve more to the way we kind of saw it to make it better, stronger for the story. Yeah. Um, but Alan Jukes was just amazing as well. I mean, just um, you know, you, you don't even really realize when you're on set, and it's only until you get the edit and you kind of watch, you know, the subtleties of of these these actors, and you're like, wow, geez, like I am just so lucky I got to work with them. But um. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot from from those guys. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I know yeah. it's early days, uh, but what opportunities uh, has making Moonrock for Monday created for you since finishing the film? Well, n- nothing really. Like we we haven't really released it. You know, yeah. um, uh, you're I think one of the first people to see it. So, um, you know, nothing's really kind of come of it just yet. We're just kind of finishing off the film, finishing off the accounts, um, trying to get it into Screen Oz and. Yeah, um, as I said before, it's a bit of a tricky time with COVID, so we're kind of strategizing on how we're going to release the film and how it's going to work. Mm. Uh, did, did I hear that you had worked with Alex Broyas since the film? Oh, we made a little short film with him. It was um, it was a great experience. Like, man, Dark City, like, as a kid, like, got me into filmmaking, you know, yeah. and um, I, I couldn't believe it that we actually got to work on set and, set and watch him direct Um you know, so um, it was just an amazing experience seeing him work. That's terrific. And uh, and so, what was your what was your involvement on the on the short? Um, I I think I was a, a producer co producer on on it. Um, yeah. thought I just kind of helped organise stuff for it. Um, yeah, that's very exciting. What can you tell us about your next film? Because uh, I see that you've got one in the works called uh, The Walrus and the Oyster. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a horror kind of psychological horror. Um, something probably I'm a bit more comfortable filming. Um, you know, I, I love kind of horror films. Um, so it's really odd that I started off with Moonrock for Monday. It's kind of a drama, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, yeah. So I think Jimmy's on his uh, tr- trying to get that up at the moment, and I, I'm super excited to do it. Um, Kurt, thank you very much for joining the podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time, and congratulations on this film. I, I really recommend everyone go and see it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.